Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, so grateful for all of our mothers. Um, so many different ways that we are blessed by mothers. Um, so many different forms of mothers, of godly women that just, whether they're their own biological children or they are their spiritual children, but moms, so grateful for them, so grateful for the investment of mothers in the lives of, of so many, and so great um, to honor them and to glorify God for his design and, and the blessings of mothers. So I want to wish each and every one of y'all a happy Mother's Day. So we've been um, going through scripture and in a series called Against All Odds. And last week, Pastor Jason did a beautiful job of showing us just a, a wonderful story here with uh, King David and the kindness and the grace that was extended to a, a crippled man named Mephibosheth, right? Against all odds, this man should have been a man left to perish a crippled man who was lame and was even renamed a name of shame, destined for a life of poverty. But then in the midst of his story, he received the kindness and the grace of the king. And Pastor Jason showed us that this, it was this grace that sought him out and the grace that brought him in and the grace that gave him more than he ever deserved. And then there was a beautiful picture and a beautiful connection between the story of David and Mephibosheth and the life of a Christian, the life of a follower of Jesus Christ on a road of destruction. Its destiny is eternal damnation, but yet intersected by the grace of God, the life of a Christian receives life abundantly. We are brought in to the family of God, into royalty. We have a place in his kingdom. We have a seat at his table and his table covers our unrighteousness, our brokenness, our imperfection, our, our, our sinful life. It covers it by the grace of God. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is given to us and we are made new and we receive way, way, way more than we could ever deserve or earn. And it is a beautiful picture of God's grace that it seeks us out, it brings us in, and it gives us so, so much. And we get to experience his kingdom. We get to experience his glimpses of his kingdom here and now. And one day we will experience his kingdom to the fullest in eternity with him. Now, we've been in a series called Against All Odds, and today we're going to start a new series called Kings and Kingdoms. And so, so today we're going to look into the scriptures. Now, we've seen two kings up to this point. We've seen Saul, King Saul, the, the king that the people believed was, was the king that they needed. 
Now, this king came after God had warned the people through Samuel. They said, you don't need a king. And he gave them many warnings of what the king would do to the people, what the king would do to the nation of Israel. If you were to, be a, if you were to receive a king, because they wanted a king to be like everyone else. They thought they knew what they wanted, and so they appointed King Saul. Now, the rejection of the advice from Samuel was a direct rejection as God, to God. They were rejecting God as their one true king. They're rejecting God as, as, as their ruler and their provider. And then we saw that after Saul came King David. Right? So King Saul was the one that the people wanted. Now King David was the one that God anointed. And God provided King David. And we saw maybe David at his, his, his shining moment with Mephibosheth. But as we continue to read, there was lust and adultery and murder from the king. And through this storyline of scripture, no matter how good the king is, no matter how evil the king is, we're going to see that each and every king we read about never quite, quite measures up. Because it is God's design. And all throughout scripture, we're seeing scripture pointing to the one true king. We're seeing scripture pointing to the king of kings. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so no matter what king comes into place, no matter how good they are, they never measure up. We'll even read of the kingdom being divided. But there's one king that we look to. And there's one kingdom that we look towards. And there's one kingdom that I believe if we read the scripture and if we take hold of the scripture and if we're surrendered to the king of kings and we are obedient to his commands, that one day we'll be able to experience it to the fullest. Now, even King Jesus, when he first came, the people were looking to a military king they were looking to a king to, to overthrow Roman oppression, to set them free, to be their king. But now when we read the scripture that Jesus Christ is painting a picture of the eternal kingdom and the eternal kingdom is different from the kingdom of this world. It's an upside down kingdom. And he taught things like if you're going to be the greatest, you be the servant of all. And he showed him as he washed the feet of his disciples, not only the feet of his disciples, but even the one that would betray him. And he said, if you want part of my kingdom, do as such. Follow my ways. And it was totally different than what the world thought that they wanted and needed. And this kingdom that we see and the kingdom that we'll continue to see throughout scripture is an upside down kingdom. It's a kingdom of, of surrenderance. Of, of, of humility, of obedience, of grace, and of mercy. And so how will we be found when Jesus returns? Because there is another coming. There is a second coming. There's a second advent when Jesus will come. And he's not coming back as a baby. No, 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 no. He's coming back on a white horse. 
He's coming back as a conquering king. And how will he find his church? How will he find you? How will he find me? I want to be ready, church. And I hope you do too. And for us to be prepared to receive him as king, for us to be prepared to, to worship him, to magnify him, to glorify him, I believe there's words in scripture and these words today and these words throughout scripture to prepare us for his return, to prepare us for his return, but also to prepare us now to experience his parts of his kingdom, of his kingdom living. And so we are going to, to find ourselves today in Psalm 1. And it's my heart today that when we read these words, that one, we will find the word of God. We will find Christ himself in his word, in these words, and that it will challenge us and transform us and, and change us from the inside out. It'll prepare us to be more like Christ in his kingdom and that we will glorify him as king and we will be less like this world. But let's pray and then we'll read Psalm 1. Father God, I pray that your word, God, will be exalted, will be high and lifted up, God, that it will be life-giving, that it will be transformative to the hearers of your word, God. I pray that I would decrease so that you can increase. Father God, because it is you and you alone that, that re should receive the worship. It is you and you alone who give life. And God, I don't want to, nor can I do it on my own. And so God, I pray, hide me behind your cross and that they would hear from you and not from man. They would hear your everlasting, your life-giving, your convicting and transforming word that is power, that is life. So God, I pray for the reading of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Verse four, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So as we read these words, these are words for, for kingdom living. These are words to experience God's kingdom now and to glorify God as king when we read these words. Now, I want us to see a couple things. I want us to see in, in the scripture here, there's two persons, right? There, there's the one of wickedness. There's the wicked and then there's the righteous. There's also two ways that we see when we read these scriptures. We're going to see the way of truth and of God, of his order and his design. And then we see the ways of this world, the lies of this world. And then we see two eternities here. We see two outcomes 
to, for these persons and these ways and these two outcomes, blessed and those that perish. And so let's, let's dig in, but I want us to, to think about that and see those two persons, two ways, two eternities as we read and we break down the scriptures here. Verse one, how blessed. Now that word blessed can mean happy and does mean happy, but it's more than just happy, right? It, it's a condition of bliss, but it's more than just a feeling because it's connected directly to righteousness. For someone to be blessed, right, they are righteous. But now if we read scripture, the scripture says our righteousness is filthy rags. The scripture says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And so therefore, if we are to be blessed, we must be righteous. If we are to be righteous, we can't do that on our own. And so our blessedness, us being blessed, is a direct correlation to our relationship with Jesus Christ, who is righteous, who covers our filthy rags, who covers our brokenness and our sinfulness. And he gives us, he imputes to us, he accounts to our, 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 our account, he gives us his righteousness and clothes us in his righteousness. And so the blessed person or the blessed man is one of the kingdom is one who has received the blessing, the goodness of God, his salvation, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. The second thing I want to point out here, it says, blessed is the man, or some translation says, blessed is the, the person. It doesn't say blessed is the king. It doesn't say blessed are the popular, the powerful, the one of status, the one of fame and fortune, but blessed is the man or the woman, the person, so whether they are of lowest of low, of, 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 a, uh, of poverty, or whether they are of royalty, the grace of God is extended to all. And so they may be blessed. All may be blessed, right? Those who surrender their life to Jesus Christ, trusting in Jesus alone for their salvation, for their hope and their truth, they are blessed. Now we see here that there are things of, of the negative. The blessed individual, the blessed person should not be of certain things. They should not walk, it says here, in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now when we just dive in to, 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 to this and we see, we're gonna see something here. We're gonna see a progression of sin. How does one find themselves in the midst of sin? It's, it's a progressive act. One, we are born into it, but then two, right? This life of sin is a gradual thing as well. The life of the righteous should not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You see, there's two voices out there. There's, there, there, there's the, the sweet, right, the tempting promises of Satan, the lies of Satan that is trying to lure us away from God, lure us away from the one truth. And so we must be careful of who we allow to speak into our life, who we are allowing to speak into the life of our children. And so when we receive counsel, when somebody is, is, is giving us uh, 
advice or counsel for life, for parenting, for the way that we raise our children, the way that we uh, transact uh, business, different transactions. We must filter it here through the word of God. Even though it might sound good and sound sweet and be like, yeah, that's what I need. We must ultimately put it through the scripture of Christ where, and ask those questions. Well, where do, where do you find this? It sounds good, but can you show me where in scripture you are, 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 are pulling from? Filter it through the cross of Jesus Christ, right? And if it doesn't make it through the cross of Jesus Christ, we need to, we need to forget it. <laughs> Throw it away. Count it as rubbish. But filter it through the scripture, the word of God. And so we see this progression, right? So we, if we sit with the counsel of the wicked, we're going to end up finding ourselves standing in the path of sinners. We're going to find ourselves along the path of sinners and, and doing the things that the sinners do, doing the things of this world because we're listening to the advice. And then it says that we will sit in the seat of scoffers. Not only do we walk among those people, but then we sit and we recline and we're intimately doing life with those of the world. And so we see this gradual progression of sin and destruction. And that's where it leads to. It leads to destruction. And so may we be careful of the voices we, allow, we are allowing to speak into our lives. I see glimpses of Deuteronomy 6 as we read the scripture. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, teaching the word of God, teaching the promises and the commands of God. Teach them diligently to your children, to your sons. You shall talk of them as you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up to diligently be continuing to pour truth into those that are around us, those that we've been entrusted to disciple and to to steward well. One example that I can think of here that we see in scripture is Peter. In the garden at the arrest of of Jesus, right? When they they were coming to persecute, to to capture and take Jesus away, Jesus says, it's me, Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Go ahead, let these others go. Go along the way. Let them, you know, he was was freeing them to leave, to take him captive, because that's who they wanted. But we see a man, Peter, who, who... ends up leaving, but U-turns and follows along the way. And it was there as he followed along the way, it was there as he was standing in the midst of of those who were persecuting Christ, there where he was warming himself by the fire and sitting with uh, the counsel of the ungodly that he denies Christ three times. So blessed is the person, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor, seats in the, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And then we see the positive. And it says, in verse two, but he delights in the word, he delights in the law of the Lord. There's great love and delight. There's pleasure. There's great joy in reading the word of God. And this law of the, of the Lord can be translated into that, into the scripture, into God's word. He delights, he loves the word of God, the righteous, for us to be ready to receive King Jesus, for us to to, to live a kingdom life here and now as we wait and as we prepare 
We must love, find a deep love for the word of God. Consider the word of God joy and delight to our hearts and into our lives. And it says, and in his law, he meditates day and night. This word for meditation is a picture of, 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 of murmuring or muttering or continuing to, to recite the words of God, to recite the teachings of God, the commands of God, the law of God, the word of God. You see, back in their day, they didn't have the full a copy, the written word of God as we do. And so it was a common practice for the, for the life of a, of a follower of God, the life of, of a Christian, right, to to continue to recite these words so that they would never forget the teachings, these life-giving words, but yet not just a point in time, not just their quiet time, but all throughout their day would be reciting, would be murmuring, murmuring and, and muttering these words so that it would not depart from them. As in Joshua 1a, where it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. So it's this murmuring, this continuing to recite the word of God as you go, as, as you're walking along the way throughout your day. I love this quote by Warren Wiersbe about this. He says, the way we treat the Bible is the way we treat Jesus Christ. For the Bible is... His word to us. Amen. Let that sink for a moment. Let that sting a little bit. <laughs> it did for me. The way we treat the word of God is the way we treat Christ. Do we hold it of high value? Do we love it? Do we delight in it? Because John 1, right, tells us he is the word, and the word became flesh. How do we treat the scriptures? How do you treat the scriptures? At times, I fail. Sometimes I don't hold it to the great treasure and the rich value that it is. But I'm thankful for a gracious and a forgiving and a loving God. Amen? Amen. But let us delight in the word of God. Those who are righteous, those who are blessed, do this. They love it. They delight in it. They read it. It's joy. It's life-giving. And we see in verse 3 this image that is given to us. It says, he is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. This image of a tree that is firmly planted. There is a, a firm root system. Right? There is stability. There is security. Acts 17, verse 26. And it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their, inhabitation, of their habitation. This tree that is firmly planted here is planted there on purpose and for a purpose. The same can be said for us. As we see here in scripture that, that it's not coincidence that you're here, but God had already determined 
your habitation. He determined where you are, where you would be. The school you would go to, the sports you would play in, the the business you would be a part of or that you would run or the neighborhood you would live in. God determined, he already knew where you would be. And he's called you to be a tree that is firmly planted there in that place for a reason because there's so much inconsistency in this world. There's so much change that is going on. There's so many different things that that makes it so hard and confusing of, of what to follow and where to go and what to do. But the one constant, the only constant in our life, and thanks be to God, is God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our constant, our rock, that you are unchanging, all powerful and immovable. He's never gonna leave us nor forsake us. He is our only constant in life. And we are called to reflect that as a tree firmly planted by these streams of living water, right? By abiding in Christ, by by, by reading his word, his life-giving word, that not empty cisterns as, as, as the scripture talks about, right? These empty wells, but a living water of living truth That is, when we abide in him, in his word, when we are filled with his word and his truth, and we see what happens, it says, which yields fruit in its season. That the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, a life surrendered to God, a life who is abiding to his word, who delights in his word, will bear fruit in its season. So there are times where there, we're going to be discouraged when there's not fruit, where we don't always see the fruit. There are going to be times in our life where the fruit is not present, specifically even in new Christians, where we're like, oh, you know, on fire and excited. And all of a sudden, it's like there's no fruit. There's no fruit. And as a mature Christian, we need to be patient with them, right, in helping them to mature in their walk helping them to to prune things of their life. To then, we will then rejoice when the fruit is there. But we see fruit as having a season in our life. But, But look here, it says, and its leaves do not wither, but its leaves remain the same. What's one of the easiest, maybe the primary way of identifying a tree? Its leaves. The identity of a Christian, there's, there shouldn't be a season of hot and cold, that our leaves should not change, they should not wither and fade away. But as we abide in Christ, our identity is firm in Jesus Christ. How people look at us and see us, they should see Jesus living in us and through us, that there shouldn't be those seasons in the life of a Christian. And so we see here, right, the leaves, they do not wither. They withstand the storm and the drought. They withstand the trials because they are deeply rooted and supplied by everlasting, eternal, rich, life-giving water that comes from God himself. What a beautiful picture. What What a high standard 
the life of a Christian. What a high calling, what an honor and a privilege. What high value do we see here in this life? What we don't see is God telling us, right, to live different. To, 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 what we don't see is God taking us out of this world, right? But there's a reason and a purpose that we're here to bear fruit, to have, tree, to have leaves that are unchanging. And in John 17, we see, it says, I am not asking you to take them out of the world. This is Jesus praying for, for us. I'm not asking you for to take them out of this world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And just as you sent, sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself so that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Now we are planted here on purpose and for purpose. And we're planted here to bear fruit. And the fruit is not for you. The fruit is for who we will read about in these next verses. These, the fruit that we bear is to bear witness to glorify God. It's to extend grace and mercy. It's to show others where our source of life is. It is to go out and to be a witness to others in this world that do not have hope or stability. And in the next verses we see, the wicked are not so. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. You know, when reading parts of this, if I could just be honest, there was a part of me that was like, good. <laughs> Those wicked people should perish. That's what they deserve. They're wicked, right? But I'm reminded of the loving compassion of Christ. That there was a day I was considered wicked. Many a years, I was considered wicked. But because of God's goodness, because of godly men that brought me in, that intentionally walked through the scriptures of Christ, walked through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I was no more like the chaff of the wind destined to perish, that my destiny was, was not to the fire, but now is to life and life everlasting. And so there was a part of me when I first read this, I was like, good. But then after deep conviction and the Holy Spirit pricking my heart, like God is compassionate. He is loving. He is slow to anger, right? And so my question, like, is your heart breaking for those that are destined to perish? 
Because the reality is, I mean, how miserable a life, right? Where you have no constant in life, that, that every wind is driving you here or there. You're trying to figure out who you are, where's your identity, where's your value, and where's your worth. And, and whatever, whichever direction the wind blows is where you go. That is no way to live. It's very saddening to my heart. And may the Lord continue to convict my heart because our fruit, the fruit that we bear, the life that we live is to go out to the highways, to the outcasts, to the addicts, to the prostitutes, is to go out and to bear fruit of love and repentance, of grace and mercy, of truth, to show others Jesus so that they may eat of that fruit, that they may receive his salvation and have everlasting hope, have a firm foundation to be redeemed and restored and renewed into living water, into life everlasting. You see, that's the call of a Christian. That's the call and the command for us. It's been the call and the command from the beginning, and it'll be the call and command until Christ returns to share the living hope, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so there's also a warning for the life of a Christian, right? There's also a warning in here that when we bear fruit, it's not for us to, to it's not for in, internal purposes. Because what happens when we bear fruit and, and we just keep that to ourselves within the church? We start comparing, oh, my fruit's better than yours. That's all you got, right? And we start to do this comparison and, and this complacency. And we start to, to, to make ourselves feel proud and good. And, and we start to think, oh, we're somebody. And we start to, you know, look internally. And then what happens is that slow fade, right? And we continue to years and years of that. It's, we bear no fruit anymore. We, we do great things. We know the church words. We know the right things to say. We, we serve in the church. But yet, that part in our heart where God produces the fruit of the Spirit, where God produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, where that part of we become numb and dumb to the things of the Lord. And we continue to, we're complacent and we're comfortable and we're good. But we've lost our joy. We've lost the delight and we bear no fruit. But may that never be said of us. May that never be part of our lives. I'm so grateful that I have a group of, of men that I get to sit within a circle and be discipled because they get to prune things off of, off of my life and in my life with their words, with their encouragement, with their, with their challenges, right? And part of my D group, right? There were times where I was like hearing their, the heart of others contributing and I'm like, man, <laughs> how do you always see the good in these things? 
but it's godly men that we allow to, and women that we allow to move into our lives, that we allow to, to speak into our lives wisdom and godly counsel, that we, we hand over the pruning shears and say, okay, go at it. <laughs> Show me, let me know, like, how am I doing in these areas of life? Do you see fruit of repentance? Do you see fruit of the Spirit in my life? Do you see that? Because we all need we need community. That's how God designed it. That's how we function best. That's how we bear most fruit. And so I want to challenge you, if you're not in community, if you're not in a Sunday school class or a, or a discipling group or a Wednesday night class, I want to challenge you. Start one up. I want to challenge you to, to get involved, to invite people into your life, to be around the word of God, to delight in the word of God and, and to sharpen each other, to strengthen each other, to equip each other to go out into this world as light, as fruit bearers so that others may taste the goodness of our God, the life transforming goodness of God. We're gonna have that opportunity here next Saturday, to go out corporately as a church, Love in Action Day. We're going to go out and do different random acts of service. And the goal in the heart is that we will share the love of Christ through action and in deed. That we will, we will go out to glorify God and to, to share the love of Christ with those that need it most that we will pray for people, that we will love people, we will share the hope of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't signed up, I wanna encourage you to do that. You can go online and you can sign up and be a part. There's so many different groups that are going out and doing so many different things. And I wanna encourage you, if you're here and you have that time Saturday, I wanna encourage you to block that time off and to go out corporately and just enjoy the fellowship Enjoy the, the, the weird looks that you'll receive. Enjoy the questions that'll be asked. Enjoy being um, pressed a little bit further than your comfort zone. And just see, be obedient to God. Be obedient to his word and what he is calling us to do. And now when we look at this scripture, we look at specifically verses one, two, and three. It's a high standard, and it can be overwhelming. But we see Christ there, perfectly obedient. He was tempted in all of our ways. Through a life of persecution, his goal was the cross. His goal was to obey the Father, and he did that perfectly, obeying God and satisfying the wrath of God, making payment for us. And apart from Christ... We cannot do this. We cannot keep away from the, the, the counsel of the ungodly, right? We cannot uh, keep away from the paths of the unrighteous. We cannot walk the narrow way through the narrow gate. We cannot do those things. And it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's my first question. Do you know him? And not only do you know him, because it says in scripture that the demons know him and shudder, 
But does he know you? Because he says, the path of the righteous I know, but the ungodly he doesn't. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered all to him? That's where, that's where this life of kingdom living, that's this life of, of glorifying God, that's where it starts, a life surrendered to Jesus Christ, trusting in him and him alone for your salvation. And then if you do, how are you doing bearing fruit? How are you doing delighting in the word of God, meditating on the word of God, allowing the word of God to, to, to read your life, to, to renew your life, to give you life? And how are you doing walking in obedience to the word of God and bearing the fruit for others to see? And the last question is, are you taking that fruit to the lost, to those that need it? Are you bearing that fruit and taking it to your neighbors, taking it into your schools, into your workplaces, taking it into your community? Are you bearing that fruit and taking it to those that need it most? The band's gonna come and I'm gonna close this in prayer and I just wanna open up this altar and maybe it's that you need to get right with the Lord. Or maybe that you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. And if you have, you know, maybe there's areas of life that you need God to prune. And you need to lay them down here. And to walk in obedience to him. Or maybe you've neglected to share, to share the fruit of the spirit with those that need it most. Start praying for them today and praying for God to make a way to you to walk in obedience. Let's pray.